The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. It's been a couple weeks since we had him on the show, so we're looking forward to this episode. There's a lot to get to. We've got some breaking news, some more optimism about the playing of college football. We'll talk about all that with the coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. For us, you can email us, email the show if you have a question podcast at uscfootball.com if you'd rather call or text us the number is 424-254-9141 please if you subscribe you know subscribe to the podcast whatever platform you're on if you have an iphone if you have an ipad you have a mac computer please go on give us a five-star rating and review on the apple podcasting app uh that's helping the show a lot we've been getting a lot of reviews lately so we do appreciate that please Leave five stars for us uh, to say something nice you like about the show. Uh, and we, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions you want to put in there, too, we'll definitely read those coming off the show if you want to leave a, a review on the Apple Podcasting app. But really make a little push for that. So hopefully if uh, you have a, a minute or two, please just log on there and uh, and rate our show. Let's get into things with the coach, Harvey Hyde. He is on the line right now. How are you, coach? Ryan, I'm great. I uh, hope everyone is safe and feeling well, and uh, you're following the rules and regulations, and uh, hope things get more positive. I hope it's starting to move that way. Yeah, there's some positivity we want to talk about here. So a few things. We got a bunch of questions, so we have a lot to uh, to get to today. But uh, right before we recorded the show, we get an official announcement from USC. Uh, USC and Old Miss have scheduled a home-and-home series. So in... August 30th, 2025, Ole Miss will visit USC. And on September 19th, 2026, the Trojans will head out and go to the Grove and go check out uh, an Ole Miss football game. So as you know, Lane Kiffin is the current head coach at Ole Miss. That is a pretty cool uh, feature there. If you guys, if you're not a subscriber, you're listening to the show, please go to uscfootball.com and subscribe as well. We put it in the war room on Friday. I gave you some hints that some big scheduling news was coming. This is that big scheduling news. And it's big for a couple of reasons. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on it. One, obviously playing Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. If you looked at USC's future schedules, most programs have scheduled a whole bunch of really good home and home games, uh, you know, throughout, you know, until 2030, you know, and USC really hadn't outside of 2024. There's just not much on the schedule. And a lot of that I think had to do with 
the previous athletic departments uh, thought that they wanted seven home games. And because of the the Notre Dame game already being on the schedule and you have five, you know, you have five home, five away with the Pac-12 schedule and Notre Dame. If you want to have seven home games, that means those other two games have to be home games. And that means you can't schedule any more home and home series with big programs. So the last one USC played was Texas playing in the Coliseum one year, going to Austin the following year. The new scheduling policy that they announced, I guess it was about a year ago, um, would eliminate that. That's obviously scrapped now because they're going out and scheduling these. So that's going to be a situation where you, you're not going to be able to have uh, seven home games that year, the year 2026, because you're going to be on the road playing Old Miss. So um, I think this is a great thing, Coach. Uh, I hated those road trips to a place like Austin, Texas. Fans love it. And I didn't want to see those eliminated. I didn't, you know, who cares if you don't get seven home games? It's not that, you know, you're screwed with the Pac-12 because you, you're, it's four home games every other year. So four home, five road, uh, five home, four road every other year. And then you add Notre Dame and it's the opposite. So you, it's five and five. So there's really no opportunity to do anything else. But if you want to schedule these games, and I think they're very important, uh, you had to, you couldn't have a policy like that. So that policy is gone. And you've seen it implemented a couple ways. One, getting rid of the UC Davis game and now scheduling a big uh, matchup with Ole Miss. I think it's good. Uh, remember, Ed Orgeron used to be the coach at, at Ole Miss, too. Yeah. So you got two former USC coaches uh, now with Lane Kiffin there uh, as far as at Ole Miss. I think it's great. I think it's good for uh, the university financially. When you go there, you get a nice guarantee. When they come to the Coliseum, you get a big crowd where you're able to get more enthusiasm, a Southeastern Conference team, and you hope uh, by that time you're playing at that level where it becomes a great game, like when USC used to go to Auburn and Arkansas and all these other places and take the Pac-12 down there with a lot of pride and show them what football was all about. So uh, if that all works out, I think it's great, and I think it'll give the university and the Pac-12 a lot more uh, respectability as far as schedule-wise and, of course, uh, contest-wise, if they're able to be successful. So I like it. I really do like it, and I really don't think you accomplish a lot playing somebody that you really uh, – it isn't a contest. I don't think people are interested. I think it's a body-bag game for your opponent. They're playing you only because of money. And uh, I, I never like to play those type of games, and, and I thought that I don't think there should be those type of games. I really don't. No, I, I agree with the coach. This is this is a big one. I love the the policy switch. So the getting rid of that terrible policy they had before, scheduling a big game. I think you're going to see more of those coming. So they're they're do they're working on all this stuff. Uh, I love to see it. So good stuff there. Um, also, coach, uh, there's some optimism as far as the Pac-12. I know last week uh, John Wilner wrote a, an interesting piece. A couple pieces of news came out when uh, the LA County. The LA Times put a story up, but the LA County was saying that they're going to be closed for another three months. They came back and clarified that they're still going to be opening things up slowly. It wasn't going to be closed for another three months like it is. So that was sort of this thing that made national headlines. And people were saying, no, Pac-12 is never going to play football. Then the Cal State schools say they're not going to have, they're only going to have online classes in the fall. Again, had nothing to do with the Pac-12, but there was another thing where people are saying the Pac-12 is not going to play football. From what we're seeing, it seems like the Pac-12 wants to be on par with the other conferences, and they're going to do what they can. There's been optimism today where Governor Gavin Newsom talked about scheduling professional sports, letting them come back in June uh, without fans. Same things in New York and Texas where things are opening up more. Um, 
you know, if if there's a safe way to have college football this fall and have it in the Pac-12, it seems like a lot of the signs are pointing that way. There's more positivity about, you know, potential vaccines and things like that. So, Coach, I don't know about you, but I feel a little more optimistic about having college football this fall in the Pac-12 than I did just even last week. Oh, I agree with you, Ryan. Uh, we talked about that. There's going to be a college football season. We just didn't know when when the date's going to be, because it's uh, so important and necessary for the athletic departments and the revenues to have this. No matter if there's people in the stands or not, they've got to play with television revenue and so on. So I, I just think that uh, there is going to be one. It's just when it's going to be. And with that optimism now that we're talking about, the Clippers are in camp now, other teams are going to camp now. I think it's great. And June's not that far away, Ryan. June's only about what? a week and a half, two weeks away, so that's not far. And people can uh, get optimistic, get back with it, just follow the rules, and I think we'll be very, very uh, fortunate if this happens. So I'm ready to play. I don't know how everybody else is ready to play. Let's just play where we can have football and everybody can be safe, and I don't think it makes any difference whether the kids go to school or not. That's something that's an educational part of the subject where they're going to do what's best there. They're in a classroom with people all around them. Maybe that's not the best thing, but uh, the academic side will do what they have to do. And the athletic side will do what they have to do. And it'll all work out for the best. Remember Joe Burrow, the quarterback at Ohio at uh, LSU where that formerly was at Ohio state. He never went to one class at LSU. He did it all online. So there's ways of adjustment, and sometimes you adjust or die. And I used to say adjustments are what you do at halftime, and this is what they're doing now, adjusting what they have to do to make it successful and safe. Yeah, and I think the the good thing for college football is it was uh, you know it's on the later half of things. It's you know you don't you're not starting until September. Obviously, you need to have things in place before that. But all these other leagues are going to be going first. Um, does baseball come back? We've seen South Korean baseball. We've seen. Uh, Bundesliga uh, st- talk um, of you know with German football. Watch some of that without fans. UFC, um, NASCAR coming back. So I think, and other states have opened up more than like what we have in California and some of the Western states. Even though like Arizona's opening up and Nevada's opening up. So if you see those states open up and it's not a complete disaster, then it's easier for California to open up, or easier for Oregon to open up, or ease some restrictions. And obviously, we want this to be done in a safe way. But there's just been some a lot of pessimism about this happening. Now I feel better. I mean, I you know I don't want it to ha- open up if it's going to hurt people, but I feel you know if there's going to be an opportunity to play, I want to be able to take advantage of that. And it, I just feel a lot better, Coach, that we are we're a lot closer to that than we were just a couple weeks ago. We are, and if everybody continues to follow the rules and do what we're supposed to be doing, it'll happen. We just can't get away from what we're supposed to be doing, and and uh, spread it back again. So let's follow the rules, do what we have to do, and let it happen, even if it's uh, football without people in the stands. I sort of, don't get me wrong, I watched uh, UFC, UFC this weekend, and I enjoyed it. I wasn't in the crowd. I enjoyed it. I watched a little bit of NASCAR. I enjoyed it. I mean, yes, the people that like to be in the crowd, or be in the stadium and so on, uh, the drivers never hear it. And if you're a football player, I've never had a football team not ready to play. I don't tell them all these people in the stands, listen to the noise and do this and that. I tell them, go out and let's do what we have to do. So I think it's great. I think we got to move forward. And uh, I really look forward to it. I just hope it all happens because I really will miss it. And I'm ready to do something, Ryan. Yeah. I'm ready to get out of the house and do something like 
or maybe put some more TVs in where I can watch more athletic <laughs> events. Yeah, for sure. I'm the same way. I've been golfing, so that's been good. Uh, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, uh, our friend of the show, uh, Alicia Deratola from Reign of Troy. Going to have her on later on in the show talking about relegation. Uh, so there, I did a story about having like a Pac-12, not a Pac-12, a uh, college football premier league, uh, piggybacking on something Stuart Mandel wrote about for The Athletic, and we were talking about it on our Tunnel Vision show on Sunday night. But I don't really know much about soccer because I'm not a big soccer fan. So Alicia is, and she comes on and kind of shares what that would be. Really interesting concepts uh, for like relegation in college football. But with the with the optimism, coach, we had a voicemail I want to play for you because this is kind of uh, you know people are feeling like a little like, hey, I don't think this is going to happen. Let me play this for you, coach, and get your thoughts. Hey Ryan, hey coach, hey uh, the whole staff there. Here's a question: Just reading about the Cal State University system planning to stay at home for the fall. Uh, doesn't look good for the chances of playing ball on Cal State and University Field, i.e. Cal Berkeley. Uh, what's your take on us being, that means Trojans, of course, a independent university, private, uh, making alternative scheduling with schools in other parts of the country, that are also independent and in creating a whole new schedule? Or do you feel that really uh, maybe putting off the season into the spring would be the better alternative? Uh, would like to hear what your uh, take is on that, um, especially Dan, because he, he always thinks these things out. So, uh, and of course, Coach uh, Hyde. But of course, any and all opinions are well received. Thanks for keeping us uh uh, safe and sane and uh, entertained during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you. That's Jeff in the OC. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, I think all of those issues you discussed uh, or asked have been discussed and talked about with all the athletic directors and conferences. There's always a plan of what's uh, going to happen. Notre Dame is one that plays a lot of different teams from different conferences and they might have to team up and uh, play a lot of independent schools or play some teams that uh, if this was to happen, that would fill their schedule. But I don't think that's going to happen. I really think that uh, before that would happen, they'd have a, a season that would start in October or November and just start a little bit later. As, as you mentioned, a spring league, they might have a spring league. If they're forced to do that, they don't want to do that. But it's two football seasons very close together, but you have to do what you have to do at times. So if they do that, they do that. I, I think they've uh, gone through every type of scenario that they could do, the athletic directors and everybody, the conference commissioners. I think they're working on this all day long of who can play who. Like uh, in the Pac-12, we've talked about this before. If, if they don't play uh, New Mexico or Notre Dame, they'll pick up, or Alabama, they'll pick up uh, Washington State or Oregon State, which I think would be a great deal as far as for USC. But again, uh, we'll have to wait and see, but they have planned that they have planned every single type of uh, program change or schedule change or whatever, because it's also necessary because you've got to have the television revenue. And if you're fortunate enough to have the crowd, the parking, the concessions and all the other revenues, the marketing, all the signage in the stadium, if you're fortunate enough to have that, then it's a win-win. So you've got to be able, timing is everything, 
And I think they've got every single type of schedule or different type of uh, scenario that will fit anything that they're able to do. So a uh, good question, but uh, they're on the ball. They're getting that all done. And I'm sure that when they're told it's okay to play, they'll have it all in place. I really believe that. Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, let's see. We got – why don't we go to some of these other questions? Um, we got a bunch of different topics here. Uh, let's see. This is for Coach Hyde. If you're an offensive line coach or – in coach's case, you were a college coach. What type of skills and traits would you be looking for in a left tackle? Wingspan? Specific size? Does it depend on the type of offense? That's from Tito. Well, you know, everything depends on the offense. Uh, but again, you're, you're, you know, like I've said all along, if you're going to start a franchise, the first thing you want is a quarterback. The next thing you want is a left tackle. You can get running backs and everything else, uh, uh, there's so many of them and you also want a rush guy and all these different things, couple of corners. Those are the first things you need first. And the left tackle uh, is the uh, premier position as far as uh, protecting your quarterback and being the type of athlete that can do it all. And what I mean, that means run block, uh, pull, uh, quick screens, do everything that they have to do. Pull from the backside, counter sweep, uh, pass block was mainly really important. Yes. You've got to have a nice, Arm lengths uh, stand so you can keep the guy away from your body. Quick feet are really important. Getting in the correct position is really important. Technique-wise, it's got to be the best. You don't lunge forward. You doubt back. You crouch. You're you're ready to play. And and uh, you got to be somewhat of an athlete. You can't be a a, a, a tree. You've got to be able to be a tree that has, that is big, strong, powerful. But yet quickness is so important. So yeah, that's what I'd be looking for. And uh, normally it's the best athlete on your team that plays in that type of position as far as an offensive lineman. But size also is important. But remember, you're probably going to block the best rush guy that they have. Uh, and that's going to be the outside end, weak side linebacker, whatever. So you got to be athletic. you got to be smart, too, with the different type of charges they do and zone uh, type of stunts. So you got to be smart, yet you got to be an athlete. But uh, you can find them. They're hard to find, but you can find them. The NFL's looking for them all the time also. So uh, that's what I look for, and that's what I want. I can't have a guy that's just big playing there and strong there. It doesn't work. Got to be an athlete with great feet and uh, smart and be able to do just about everything. Uh, let's see. We have a question from Justin in downtown L.A., uh, I know there are hundreds or even thousands of kids every year that would love to play for USC, but simply are not good enough. How often do USC coaches or coaches at other big time schools refer players to smaller, less powerhouse schools? For example, do you think that Dante Williams helps kids to get to say a Nevada or UNLV just to keep good relations with the high school coaches and other recruiting gurus? Like, Hey, I can't offer you a USC scholarship, but I told the coaches at New Mexico state about you and they want to talk to you thanks uh justin in downtown la i'll tell you that happens all the time okay we got so many referrals when i was in junior college for four-year schools that wanted their athletes to come and play for us and then of course if that athlete did turn out to be a great player then immediately we would send them back to them but it happens all the time you help parents all the time as far as i'm sorry uh, we can't offer your son a scholarship, but we certainly would recommend him 
if you have a certain school they'd like to go to, I wouldn't mind calling at all. And if the kid really is a key player and you think he can really play, you always call your buddy uh, and you let your buddies know that there's great players available that we're not going to offer him. And uh, I would suggest at your level he'd be a tremendous find. And uh, we did that all the time, all the time. Now, I'm not telling you to call within conference, but you call the other schools of people you know where they are. And it all comes back in return. Sometimes they'll call you and say, you know, we don't have a shot at this guy at all. But we've got a local high school kid here in Albuquerque that Texas and everybody else is recruiting them. Do you guys know about it? So it works both ways. I mean, you help each other and you help kids. And I think that's what's the number one thing is you help kids. Sometimes I'm doing it all the time, referring to kids when parents call me to different levels as far as uh, the SCIC, which is Redlands, Whittier, all that league. Uh, there's not many Division II schools in the state of California. Really, uh, there's Azusa Pacific and one in Northern California. So we don't have an abundance of, of college football at state colleges. Long Beach State used to play football. Uh, San Jose State, Northridge used to play football. Fullerton used to play football. Now, basically, it's Fresno State and San Jose State, San Diego State, of course. So you've got to help these kids. And if they don't go to the community colleges, you've got to find places. You've got to help them. And I'll tell you, you help coaches, too. Uh, coaches will ask you, Coach, can you help me with this kid? This is a great kid from a great family. He needs to get out of the area. He needs to go to school somewhere out of state. Can you help me? You say, certainly, Coach. We'll do. We'll make some calls for you. And you call your fellow coaches and you tell them about it. And you try to do that. So, yeah, let me tell you, it happens all the time. And if the guys aren't doing that, then, you know, you're not going to uh, – a lot of coaches or parents aren't going to really recommend your university because you're not willing to help people that need help. Yeah, no, you want to – I think it's there's all about relationships, and there's no better way to help build relationships when someone – you know, you, you if you're recruiting someone, you're trying to get something out of them. You're trying to bring them to your school. But you build that relationship, and even if it's not going to work out, you're setting them up with someone else. You're you're helping them, giving yourself no benefit. And I think that relationship, you know, building relationships like that just go a long way. It will, Ryan, because they, they might have a brother or they might have a friend, and that parent would say, hey, that coach is a great guy. He helped my son. Or even a high school coach will tell another coach or another friend, hey, they really helped my player or this kid. Because people talk, where'd that kid go? Oh, he went to – he went to UNLV and uh, USC helped him. I mean, that's the type of stuff that makes a real football program. That's sincere and it means something to the coaches and so on. So you've got to have that type of attitude. And I'd be very disappointed if coaches don't do that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's go to, uh, and I, I want to say a shout out to Curtis Marino Valley. Last time we had coach on, I think we played like five of the voicemails. We're trying to like, we want voicemails, but we don't want, you know, we've had multiple few people calling like a whole bunch of times. So called in one, one voicemail. I love it. Curtis, thank you so much. I'll play it for you here and uh, get coach's thoughts on it. Hi, Peristyle. It's Curtis from Moreno Valley. I can just about guarantee that Keenan Slovis will have a statistically just as good a year as Sam Darnold did when we went to the Rose Bowl and won it. That was Sam Darnold's best year. His stats were his highest that year. And I can prove that Keaton Slovis should at least, bar an injury, match that. Well, he already did. 
his numbers as a true freshman, whereas Donald was a redshirt freshman, were exactly the same just about across the board. The only difference was Keaton Slovis was a true freshman. What a trajectory, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Tur- Curtis, uh, I think you're on the right track. I think he's a great kid, and he's uh, living in Arizona currently right now and throwing the ball around. He says he feels 100%, and uh, he certainly has a great uh, receiver core around and returning. Uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, the optimism should be really good there. You've heard me talk about what I think the offense needs to even become better, but they certainly do uh, uh, look forward to him uh, being the quarterback, and I think he definitely should be the quarterback. He shouldn't be uh, having to compete against JT or anyone else, even if JT comes back. I think he's the guy, and I think they should uh, let everybody know that he's the guy. And uh, I think that uh, uh, that he'll have a great year. Just got to protect him. In this offense, you've got to protect him to allow him to get those stats and win football games. If you don't protect him or find ways to protect him on different protections and so on, you could lose the kid. So that's why it's so important, as we talked about the left tackle and other positions, that you have people playing up front that are the type of guys that can protect your, your quarterback because you can't win without a great quarterback, and your quarterback is your leader, sometimes vocally, sometimes silently but he's the guy that calls the play. He's the one that starts the car. He's the battery to the engine. And if you have the respect from your team, when he calls the play or brings you out of the huddle or whatever, you've got a much better chance of that play being successful because of him, but they know he can get it done. So I think Kendon is a great uh, type of kid. He's a surprise package to USC, surprised the hell out of me. And I think a lot of other people, and I certainly want to wish him the best of luck this coming year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one thing, Curtis, I would uh, just be cautious of. It's it's not a straight comparison, the kind of offense that Sam Darnold was running and what Keaton Slovis is running. It's a much more friendly quarterback scheme. Sam Darnold, uh, I'm not sure Keaton Slovis would have any the, near the numbers that Sam Darnold did because of what the way he was able to just create. Um because he had to, because plays just broke down constantly. So they were sort of rolling the ball out there and asking Sam to go make plays. Where Keaton Slovis, he's performing in a system that's working really well. It's a great system. I think his numbers are going to be significantly better than what he saw last year and significantly better than what Sam Darnold had. But a lot of that has to do with the scheme that he's running. Um, and we'll see the level of competition, too. Now, he'll he'll have that same opportunity to play uh, uh, Alabama first. Now, Sam Darnold didn't start that game. That was Max Brown. But... Um, you know, we'll see what the numbers look like. There's a couple really tough ones, and I think that's where you want to watch how does Slovis do against Oregon in Eugene, uh, against Notre Dame at home, against Alabama on a neutral site. So good stuff. But I, I think uh, Sam Darnold had <laughs> he didn't have the same kind of uh, support that uh, Keaton Slovis does as far as the coaching that that, w- that was around him. Um, oh, do you have any thoughts on that, Coach? No, you're right on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the air raid and that system, John wrote in. It's not necessarily against the air raid offense. Oh, so I'm not necessarily against the air raid offense, but I'm a firm believer in establishing the run and using talented receivers to break the game open. This is how you beat powerhouse teams in the big time settings, in my opinion. This offense is fun to watch, but I can think it can, but I think it can lead to the defense becoming fatigued, especially when the game is on the line. Throw to score, run to win. 
would just like Coach's thoughts on this. Uh, thank you, John. And I think I know where Coach is going to go, but let's get your thoughts. <laughs> You're exactly right, uh, Ryan. Uh, I've been uh, saying this all along. The first thing I'd like to have eliminated is the term air raid offense. I think that alone tells people that they throw the ball every time, that they can't do anything else. So I'd like to have that term eliminated. It's just USC's offense, okay? And I think it's got to be a little bit more balanced. You could make it more of a throwing type of offense and a running type of offense. But I agree, you've got to have the rushing game. You've got to have play-action pass. That's what protects your quarterback. You've got to be able to run the football in certain situations with confidence. And I think that's all part of the game. Uh, I think you've got to utilize your great, talented running backs, and your offensive line has got to be do both knock somebody off the ball, and also uh, pass block. And I think that you become a better football player by doing that. You don't rely on just one phase of the game. If someone takes something away, you don't have the ability to adapt and go to something else. So I think it's so important that you're a balanced type of football team. I'm not saying 50-50, but USC isn't going to be 50-50. But a 70-30, 60-40, with some emphasis on the run, and toughness I think is really good too, that comes along with the running game. so But just eliminate the air raid attack. I just don't like that. Air raid, USC air raid. Just call it USC offense. And do what you want with it, but don't do the air raid thing. Make it more of a balanced type of offense that when you're on the one-yard line, you can run the football, you have a jumbo type of situation, you can get under center and do a quarterback sneak. You have different phases of your offense that you can utilize it when the time calls for it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Coach. I don't. I to be fair, I don't think Graham Harrell likes to call it the air raid. It's his version of it. The problem is when people think of air raid, they think of Mike Leach throwing the ball seventy five percent of the time, and that's not what he wanted to do. I'm curious to see what the the run pass splits are because he does want it to be closer to fifty fifty. I mean, he's talked about that. It was a year though when the quarterback gets hurt in the first game, and then running backs get hurt all throughout the year. And it just sort of felt like they never really got into the rhythm of what they wanted to do. And that's why I think there was optimism, Coach, that in year two, not only would everyone know the system better, you got all this talent coming back, but you you know, you know hope that people stay healthy so you don't lose a quarterback in the very first game and you're playing a true freshman the rest of the way. I agree with you 100%. So by doing, by running the football, keeping them honest, where they can't just get in a sprinter stance and come after you where you know where you are, gives you a heck of a better chance. It really does. So I think it would help, help the offense a lot and also help the personnel as far as utilizing all the great talent you have. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's see, we had, that was from John. Let's move on to Frank in Sacramento. Uh, so he's talking about the new video team. So USC hired uh, Jacob Brown uh, and uh, Will Stout, the LSU video editing team. Uh, he feels a great moves. These two should produce the USC promotional spot shown during TV games. They would do a much better job than the film school school the film school crew does, featuring ballet dancers on the beach and guys playing grand pianos in fountains. Uh, Frank in Sacramento. Well, I think it's important to have a great uh, video uh, department, as far as not only for the film work for practice and games and so on. But you also have to have great productions as far as what people can watch. When you display your talent or explain your school or your football program or your offense or your coaching staff and so on, 
I think it's got to be professionally done. I mean, uh, people compare stadiums, people compare, compare a lot of things, and I think it's important you have that. The only thing I'm concerned with is getting carried away with it. Too much, uh, too often, can overdo it. I think you've got to be able to have people look forward to a production, look forward to something that you produce. Can't wait to click it on. I think every day with a lot of different things going out and so on, I don't think that really enhances your image of your football program. That's what I believe. And uh, I think that more or less, too, it should be limited and, uh, and controlled where everybody's not doing it. Everybody does more or less their own thing. I think it has to come from one type of direction, the head football coach, so he's aware of what's going out. The athletic director is aware of what's going out so that everything is consistent and first class. I think that's really important that there is a, a uh, somewhat, what do you want to call it, uh, approval type of thing that goes on of what's being sent out there regarding your athlete department or your football program. Let's see. We got a couple more. Um, oh, by the way, on the video team, uh, Jacob Brown, we're going to have an interview with him. I'll be talking with him one-on-one -on -one this week, Tuesday, on our Tunnel Vision show. So stay tuned for that right now. Looks like it's going to be Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific. So if you uh, like the video hires, uh, I will have Jacob Brown on the show. That's the first time we're announcing that. Uh, Tuesday at 5 is what we're planning for. So hopefully that'll – they don't officially start till June 1st, but um, – you can see some of the work they're doing. It's pretty darn good. Uh, Frank, Frank also wrote in. He said, with uh, name, image, and likeness money that USC football Instagram influencers can rake in will be a huge advantage to big city players who do well and leverage their media recognition. Not being able to wear uniforms or mention their school or team will make no difference. Imagine a picture or a short clip of handsome Keaton Slovis in Cardinal and Gold clothing saying he, quote, wears Adidas, and recommends you do too. He'll get a nice check after just a few posts. That's Frank in Sacramento again. Well, I think it'd be more or less he wears Nike because right now, currently, USC is a Nike school. I don't know. Well, that's the, uh, that's the problem, coach, is that if you're an individual player, you could endorse Adidas and go out on your own and do that. Um, so, yeah, there, there wouldn't be a part of USC. That would be Keaton Slovis saying, hey, uh, Adidas is paying him money. He's going to wear Adidas products and, and talk about it on his Instagram feed. And they give him money for Instagram posts. Just like, you know, if uh, one of the Kardashians puts an Instagram post and say, hey, I really like this lip gloss. They pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars. They were just saying that on Instagram. So Keaton Slovis would say, hey, I like Adidas. And they'd pay, you know, he'd probably get like 20 grand or 10 grand or something. But he would get something for doing that. No, 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 no. I understand that. I'm just saying, I don't know if Adidas would be happy about, or not Adidas, but Nike. Right, uh, yeah. because he's a, they're a Nike school. and uh, But again, uh, you got to do what you got to do. I would think if I was Clay Helton, I'd say maybe I can get you something with Nike uh, or somebody, I'd have somebody to check with Nike. I'd tell Nike, hey, he got an opportunity to do this with Adidas. I'd, I just want you to know up front that this is going on. And, you know, if you'd rather have him do it for you, uh, I would feel better because I don't want to jeopardize our relationship, something like that. But yeah, yeah, I, I, they have that opportunity now to go out and do those type of things and promote themselves and and promote and get extra cash and so on as long as you win. As long as you're doing well, yes, people will come to you. If you don't do well and, you don't, and you're not successful, nobody doesn't care. 
So uh, I think that uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. The more you win, the better you are. Uh, the more publicity you get, like the LeBron and all those guys, they make more money in their with their endorsements than they do probably playing basketball. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's great, and uh, since they've approved it, then I'm all for the kids doing it. We uh, one last thing. It's more of a comment than a question. Um, this is uh, he just said. Thanks and fight on from Florida. I didn't say who this was, uh, but it's a, Hey, Ryan and crew. I just listened to your interview with Brandon Sosna. I have to say you did an excellent job like usual, although you may need to order pizza delivery for your next lunch talk. Yeah. So we do lunch with a Trojan, uh, but that's all remote. And so I'm not buying anybody lunch cause I'm not there. If we were doing it in the studio, I could buy them lunch, but I guess I could have a pizza delivered somewhere. Uh, but I'm glad you liked the interview. He said, I was extremely impressed with Brandon and I see why Mike Bone wanted him to, to wanted him to follow him to USC. I've never been as excited about the team's direction after hearing Brandon share his experience and thoughts. It sounds like they have a great plan for improving USC football and competing at a national level. Uh, thanks for that email. And yes, I mean, just seeing the news that we talked about at the top of the show, changing the scheduling philosophy, scheduling teams like Old Miss, uh, scheduling Lane Kiffin to come to the Coliseum. I mean, yeah, that's... I think this this group gets it. Uh, the Athletic actually did a really interesting, in depth interview uh, and, and profile on Brandon Sosna. If you want to check that out, if you're a subscriber over there. Uh, but our you know lunch with the Trojans free up on our YouTube page, up on uscfootball.com. Probably 45 minutes or so talking with Brandon one on one. He was great. So yeah, I'm glad you liked that. I don't know if you got to check out the interview, Coach, but I, I've been impressed with this new athletic department group. I saw part of it. I didn't watch the entire thing, but yes, very intelligent, astute kid. I call him a kid. He's a kid. And, He's twenty-seven. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, kid, and uh, got a lot of experience and knowledge. Uh, he grew up uh, in the uh, world of athletics and football, and he brings a lot of credibility. And he's he obviously uh, has a plan, and I think the plan has been approved by Mike Bone, and uh, he's going to execute it. And I think he's got the energy to do it. He's not burned out. He's young. He's making the contacts. And I think that's very important. Uh, age doesn't always uh, determine someone's knowledge or uh, or intelligence towards the game and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I, I, w- I liked what I heard, and uh, I hope it continues. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, hey, good stuff. Um, it's fun, as always, chatting uh, about – anything college football related, but having some optimism, I feel much better about it. I love it. Oh, I do too, buddy. i tell you what, I'm more optimistic just doing this because, because we're starting to talk about football things again. We're starting to talk about what it's all about. USCfootball.com and uh, all the different things that surround the game of football and the young kids and recruiting. And, and we're hoping that high school football too can get the clearance and uh, all of the above, because it's such a big part of the kid's life and, entertainment and and future of these players and future of the universities that we got to hope it comes back strong and and everybody's healthy but they got a plan and whatever the plan is we're going to follow that plan and uh, make sure it happens all right well we're going to uh we appreciate you coming on coach we're actually going to take a quick break because we're going to come back and uh, talk with alicia deratola about uh relegation so it's fun you know don't not uh nothing really usc related mostly about the uh you know theoretical way that college football could change and have uh, some kind of relegation at a premier league. So we'll be back in a minute talking to Alicia.
The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. All right, we are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Luckily to be joined by my friend Alicia Deratola. She's the editor over at Reign of Troy, co-host of the Reign of Troy podcast, Reign of Troy Radio. Go find her on reignoftroy.com or on Twitter at Penguin of Troy. Uh, Alicia, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I don't often have the the ability to come on as a, a soccer expert on a podcast. This is a new role for me. Yeah, so, so Alicia's a big Liverpool fan, big soccer person. You and Michael both, your co-host on Reign of Troy, into soccer. I'm a noted non-soccer person, but I, you know, I try. Um, but you ca- call yourself what you are, Ryan. You're a soccer hater. <laughs> Embrace it. Yeah, I'm not a big (laughs) soccer fan. Um, And I do love the, we were talking about this off air. I do love the very, um, the easily offended soccer fans, the American soccer fans. Those are very fun to talk to because they're, they get triggered very quickly and uh, it's good. And like when I went to Barcelona with my wife a few years ago and got to go to Camp Nou and watch Messi score two goals and be able to come back and like lifelong soccer fans that like that would have been their dream. It's like, yeah, cool. It was fine. No, I did. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a fun experience and stuff, but <laughs> I, I love like, you know, kind of poking the poking those fans that could get very uh, defensible. So you're a soccer hating troll is, oh. is, is what I think I'm getting at. I love the trolling. Like, you know, it's come on, you got to do some trolling <laughs> yeah. once in a while. Uh, mostly people that deserve it, you know, like, Hey, I'm trying, you guys are great about it. You know, when we've talked about, this stuff. I mean, I respect your guys' opinion. You guys know what you're talking about. And the whole reason, I mean, Alicia does a great job covering the team. Obviously, there's nothing to cover right now. We're all content creators. We're all trying to create stuff. And one of the things that I wrote about recently was a story that Stuart Mandel had uh, did a few years ago, and then he uh, revamped it uh, last year, heading into the season, I think in August, talking about creating basically the Premier League for college football. And he Theorized you could have like 32 teams, uh, four divisions, and he, he gave some examples. So like in the Pac-12, like USC, UCLA, I think Washington and Oregon were teams that were selected. There was more SEC teams in there, you can imagine. You know, but it's like all the powers. And if you put them all together, put them in one division, the television he theorized the television contract would be second only to the NFL. Um, it would just blow things away. So imagine you don't have to play like San Jose State or you know, so, you know, whatever anyone you would be playing Ohio State, followed by Clemson, followed by Alabama. Like it'd be insane, like the kind of stuff that you could do. And then the, the Alicia, the the part we so we start talking about this on some of my shows on Tunnel Vision last night, and and Shotgun knows more about soccer than me. But the topic of relegation uh, came up, which I love about so like I can make fun of soccer. I think relegation's awesome, and I mean I, maybe I was just talking out my butt or whatever when we were talking about this, but having those thirty two teams. But like Arkansas was in there. Well, what if they if they stink for a couple of years? They dropped out, and like Utah pops in. Um, I think that would be great. And if you were in that group of thirty-two, your school's making a ton of money from those television contracts. And if you're in the lower division, you're not. So that's kind of setting the the scene, uh, Alicia. I, I, initially, get your thoughts on 
you know, uh, Stewart's article and then if, if relegation could actually work in college football. I, I have said for a long time that relegation would be amazing for college football. It's the <laughs> only sport in America that actually is built for it because the reason relegation works in European soccer is because you have so many teams and you all have your own local team and you have uh, fervent fan bases for all of those local teams, but you are then able to have your top division, your sort of second division, your third division, who, while the second and third division, the championship and the uh, whatever the third one they call it, I, I always forget, uh, those divisions, while they're obviously lesser, they still have followings, they still get people in the stands, they still get TV stuff, so it's not like a death sentence to get into, you know, if you fall into those uh, into those leagues, and then you're always incentivized to then move up and move up, and and in the top tier, what's what one of the best things I love about relegation is that what you do is you then create two different independent almost competitions. So if you have 32 or even you could even do 40 something, however many, even 50, however many you want to do where you have the teams that are in the top tier. Right. And, and so like in college football, you'd look at it and go into every season knowing, well, Ohio state or Clemson or Alabama is going to win the national or LSU is going to win the national championship this year. And maybe someone like, um, I don't know, throw Washington in there or, or Stanford or, or at this stage like USC where you're like, well, they could be kind of okay, but maybe not competing for a championship. And you, as you go down the way, what you end up creating then is you need to be looking behind you because if you fall into that bottom tier, you're screwed because you get out of that big, big money uh, top tier uh, uh, division. And so games between the bottom teams are just as riveting as games between the top teams because there's desperation games going on. Like, and also those, the teams at the bottom, if you have, um, let's say UCLA is, is in danger of being relegated. They're in the top, top tier, but they're in danger of being relegated and they're playing, um, Oregon who's competing for, you know, national title, uh, you know, discussion for playoff discussion. UCLA has, so much more to play for at the end of the season if they need to avoid relegation that then you get an even better game between the top tier and the bottom tier of teams like you have more you don't have anyone out there who's just like oh you know we're not gonna win it. you're we're not gonna win anything this year whatever um you know just pack up shop and, and and look forward to the next thing you you create competition at the bottom and the top that has real stakes and yeah, the money, the, the, you, you factor in the brand power that you have going on with the money at that top tier, but you also factor in the competition power because now you don't really have any lost games that are of no interest because you can have two teams that aren't that good that year playing and people have incentive to, to turn on those games and watch them because, you know, whoever loses that game is going to get bumped down into the bottom tier. And then on the other side of it too, in that second division, you have incentive to go watch those games because hey, guess what? Utah is playing Fresno State, and whoever wins that game could potentially come up to the next division the next year, and so you're kind of intrigued. Like, well, that's an intriguing game. I'd like to tune in and see what those teams are up to and what could happen for those teams, and they're both going all out because there's something real at stake. So I think relegation would be absolutely fantastic. You would avoid the the entire flaw with with college football premises. There, there's too many teams and you get these like random bowl matchups between, you know, UCF and or or USF and like Tulane, and you're just like, 
okay, I mean, I guess I'm going to watch this because I'm desperate for football, but chances are this isn't going to be a very entertaining game. Yeah, no, I think it, that all makes sense. And because of the nature of college football, maybe it would be better to do more than than the 32 teams. I think you could still expand it and have a great television contract um, and then, you know, have a – so it would basically be like the Power Five – group but it would just be this one group instead of five different conferences and then they're like a group of five or whatever it is that you know that those schools would all be down there but with the the opportunity to move up so if Boise State was great for years and years they're not stuck in the whack or the Mountain West or whatever they would actually move up and have a table uh at, with the big boys but one of the things I brought up was you know, it's not I like how that relegation part actually works. And I was asking Chaka, I'm like, well, does Manchester United ever get relegated? And he's like, no, they just they always have enough money into the game where you're never going to be that bad. You won't be at the bottom. So, like, I mean, you don't want Alabama getting relegated or something like that. So I, I guess um, there's probably situations where that wouldn't happen. Well, I mean, I guess it would depend on how big you go with your league, right? Like, I, I'm with you. I think that what we, what you would probably do is do the Power Five or do sort of the, like the the four super conferences or whatever, and and reorganize that way, but still have semi larger conferences where you're talking about like ten per, and then you're you're filtering in one at a time or maybe two at a time, depending on how big you go. But um, you know, in theory, Manchester United could be relegated if they were bad enough like if they had a bad enough season and that's something you have to you know occasionally live with but the good teams like shotgun was saying the good teams are at a certain point so good at what they do that even a bad year doesn't get them like for instance usc um goes five and seven one year and it was an awful year but like in theory that's not a real i mean if it, it, depending on how you organize it, that wouldn't get USC relegated necessarily. You'd have to be worse than that to get relegated, depending on how many teams you had. But that is also the risk because then if you are Alabama, you can't just rest on your laurels and go like, uh, you know, whatever, it's no big deal if we have a down year. Well, it might be a big deal if you have a down year. It, it might actually cause you to put yourself in danger of falling down. And also, you take teams that like right now we're talking about Alabama being a big deal, but you know, a couple, you know, a decade or two ago, Alabama was in the pits, wasn't doing particularly well. You look at teams like, um, you know, Colorado at one time was a, was, you know, a big, big program that was, uh, producing Heisman winners and stuff. And, and then they sort of fell off a cliff. You look at, uh, where Nebraska is and where Florida state is at times, like all of these teams, there are consequences to falling off the cliff. And you might be a power at one stage, but if you cease to be a power, then you do deserve to fall down into the lower tier. And maybe that is what incentivizes you to say, oh, well, if we're going to be down in Division Two and not making this much money, then we better get our act together and get up to Division One again and, and reassert our power. And if you don't, then that's on you. Like that's the, the, the landscape of college football would change, I think, in a really positive way. You look at in England, the landscape of England, Michael and I, Michael Castillo, my co-host over at Rana Troy, we talk about this all the time that um, when we started following soccer, the league looked so different. Teams that we associate with being Premier League teams are no longer Premier League teams and not even sniffing it. Like there are teams out there that, that were um, per perennial top tier teams who are all of a sudden now, I don't even think of them as being Premier League teams because they've been down in the 
in the second division for a decade. And uh, even though you still always associate them with being better than they currently are, that's where they where, that's where they stand. And on the flip side, you also give yourself the opportunity to have teams that aren't national powers necessarily who build themselves up into it for one reason or another. Like in England, you have a, a top it was always considered the top four. Now it's sort of considered the top six, but you have teams like Manchester city, Manchester city was not a team that anybody paid any attention to. Manchester city was like, I don't know, an Arizona or a Colorado uh, for a long time. And then they injected a bunch of cash into their, into their uh, uh, team and they bought a bunch of good players. And now they're the perennial top of the line championship Champions League uh, title winning kind of kind of squad and they've made themselves into into the top six the top four that that in England well in college football you could have that same situation where yeah you might have an Alabama fall by the wayside but maybe Alabama falling by the wayside gives you an opportunity for someone as random as Vanderbilt to all of this uh, sudden become like the power out of the out of the southeast and 20 years from now, we're looking back and there's a whole generation who only knows Vanderbilt as the power in the East and not Alabama. So I think those things kind of work each other out and they keep programs honest because you can't rest on the on the glories of, of yesteryear because you're going to start losing money if you're not in that top division. Yeah. Um, so a couple of teams like in the Pac-12, it would be interesting like Colorado winning, I guess both Colorado and Washington winning like 1990 or whatever national championship. Um, you know, in recent years, 2012, Colorado goes one and 11. Like they certainly wouldn't be up there. They, yeah. They've won one bowl game in the last, since like 2007. They've been to one. They, no, they haven't won a bowl game since 2004, but they've been to one since 2007. Washington, you know, they've been really good recently. They would be in it, but in 2008, I think it was, they go 0 and 12. Like you're going to be dropped out for that. So yeah, that, it'd be interesting yeah. to see USC's fall. Was it five and seven wouldn't get you relegated, uh, but 0 and 12 likely would. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I guess again, this would depend on: Are you relegating one team from each conference? Which is what I've occasionally seen as a as a something that's thrown out there, where the Pac-12 would relegate somebody, or are you relegating one? You know, two two or three teams across all of the 30 or 40 or 50 teams that you're doing, because then you could end up in a situation where, you know, a, a five and seven season puts you a little bit closer on the edge there. But I still think it would require a, a significant, um, like a, like a, a two win season or like UCLA would potentially be with yeah. three and nine be flirting with, well, you better hope there's someone worse than you. Because at three and nine, now you're talking like now you don't really control your own destiny. Yeah. But again, that's that's the thing is if you're three and nine, you know, you you essentially are what your record is. So you you pay the price of of being three and nine. Uh, one last thing before we let you go. So part of the issue is you don't want to get too big because the the reason the television contract would be massive would be because you would only really have the great team. So there's not going to be a Kansas football team in there. I know they're in the Big 12. There wouldn't be an Oregon State football team in there. They're in the Pac-12. Uh, there, there might not be a, a Rutgers. There was not, would not be a Rutgers in there. The programs that, <laughs> like, they're not having the big TV draws, they are basically benefiting from the Ohio States of their conference or the Texases of their conference or the USC's of their conference that bring in that big TV money. His point was you only bring in the schools that have their own, that, that would bring it, that help the TV money. So... 
I would be curious to see. I, 32 seems a little small, but it would be, you know, it, that would definitely be interesting. All those games would be great. I mean, it'd be hard to have a winning record, you know, unless unless you're elite. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're elite. Well, but that, and that would be what would make college football fun is that if you did go that low, if you went with 32, uh, you know, even, even if you sort of squeaked, if you really wanted to include a bunch of teams and, and went sort of to 40, and then you could sort of do a, a four power conferences with, with 10 teams each in them, um, however small you ended up going, you have so many teams in college football that you would have a thriving second division. So, like, it's not like you would have – you're only ever going to be watching that first division – those first division games. Yeah, sure, those are the ones you're definitely going to tune in and the, the TV money is going to be ridiculous for those. But that secondary market is still going to be pretty decent for those programs to still uh, to still function. And you, you would have a pretty healthy potentially even third division because you have so many – so Oregon State – probably would never end in that top in that top tier but Oregon State could do just fine in that second tier and they could figure out their sweet spot of how much money they're spending and how much they're able to win and and all of that and still be you know you have I guess your like primetime ESPN games and then you know Fox Sports West or whatever like CBS Sports all those kinds of stuff could still be doing their own broadcast for like that tier as well so it would benefit not just the top the top tier would make bank absolutely but it would benefit a lot of other teams too in 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 a different kind of way i mean i guess the problem with with instituting relegation is you would need to convince you know the top teams would certainly jump at the chance to make that kind of money you have a hell of a lot more teams that would be left out of that but if you sort of framed it well enough to say well you're not going to get left out in the cold like there will still be money there will still be an audience for the non first division and you will always have the incentive of you could move up and then you'd be, you know, in, in the money. And in England, I don't know exactly how it would work in, in the U S financial sort of systems, but in England, if you get up into the, into the premier league, if you get promoted, um, you can fund your team for a few years on the money that you get from that one year of promotion. There's this yo-yoing that happens where teams get up, and they get the money and then they accept that they're going to have to go back down because they can't compete with those teams that are currently up. But when they go back down, they're in better position to buy better players and strengthen and then come back up again and then slowly try to um, take advantage of that money. So that sort of process is also very interesting and, and uh, could potentially incentivize the teams that get left out of the, the premier college football league. Mm-hmm. So like it, it would work kind of all around if if obviously this being a hypothetical if people were willing to buy in to understand that there is a lot of money to be made here but as we know with college football um (laughs) you know the the uh tradition often wins out yeah uh this is some fascinating stuff and uh yes does it sound like professionally yes but when you're talking about the the money i mean this is professional already this would have to be separate from all the other sports this would be just a college football thing it's, uh, you know, I talked to Stuart Mandel about it. He did feel it's a little pie in the sky. That's just kind of like a, a dream, but with this COVID-19 stuff, you might get pushed closer to something like that. So I just wanted to talk it about there, but I didn't want to be, you know, so uninformed about what relegation is. I just love the concept. I just didn't know how it works. So I do appreciate you coming on Alicia and, uh, and sharing some thoughts there. I'm sure you guys will talk about it on your show too. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Well, we'll throw in all our soccer talk from our show. But, <laughs> yeah, I, like relegation is a really it is a complex thing, and and it's always a little bit more complicated than you think it might be. But at the same point, it's it's pretty simple and it's pretty cool to think about there being a ladder that one can climb or fall down. So I get the the fascination with it, and uh, it's just a shame. This is what I always say about it soccer uh, grew up into this relegation system early and that's what allows it to exist because they had so many teams from the get-go. If college football or college sports had adopted this early, um, more viably, like in like if World War II and all of that mess up that screwed with seasons in, in the 40s had resulted in a relegation-like system, today we would be you know happily sitting in a relegated college football landscape. Because uh, it was just so much easier to do things way back when, where now it's almost like you have to have too much agreement in order to make this kind of big change, and no one's going to ever agree. So yeah. uh, it's it's fun. It's a fun exercise to to do, though. And so, like, yeah, I get it. Regardless of what your feelings about soccer are, the idea of that kind of structure is is pretty cool. It's cool, and you know, we don't want this to happen. What if college football doesn't happen? What if we lose, you know, a whole season? Well, I mean, maybe then you're rethinking it. All these athletic departments are budget crunched, and you're like, "Hey, man, we can make a ton more money doing this." Boom. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, but maybe this is a catalyst for something like that. That's the, you are right. That's the the interesting thing about this COVID situation is it's a game changer on all fronts. And if you were ever going to have the change massive change happen now is the time because you're going to be able to experiment i know a lot of different leagues are going to be like you know baseball is going to experiment with stuff nba is going to experiment with stuff uh nfl is going to have to experiment with with its sort of the size of its season and and how everything does it so if you're college football maybe you take this opportunity to see what a season looks like with different alignments and and different you know, if they go to an 18 playoff, <laughs> they're staying with an 18 playoff. So if they want to get it done now, get it done now. But yeah, that'll, that'll, it's the landscape is totally across the board. Sports and life is, is changing and we're just long for the ride, right? Like what, what can we do, but sit here and hypothetical, uh, throw out options and maybe one of them will stick. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Alicia Daratola, check out her work over at rainertroy.com, their podcast. If you don't listen to it, uh, you definitely should if you're a USC fan and uh, follow her on Twitter at Penguin of Troy. Thanks for coming on uh, late notice there. I just like, hey, do you want to come on the show? You're like, sure. I'm like, all right, this, this pandemic stuff is good for that. You're like, you want to get a guest on your show that people are bored? They're like, oh, come on. Why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime uh, Ryan Abraham comes to me and says, do you want to talk about something relating to soccer? I, I mean, <laughs> if I turn down this opportunity, I might never get it again. So. <laughs> Well, maybe if we get closer to this, we'll have you on again to talk about it. But we do appreciate hey, it. And, hey, uh, I can, oh, go ahead. I can't, I can't wait for you to become a, a massive Bundesliga fan. Like two months from now, it's it's going to be Ryan uh, Ryan starting a podcast about uh, Dortmund. And yeah. all of a sudden, everything will have changed again. Bundesliga. So that's the German one, if you don't know. And the, I think I watched Dortmund first. And someone told me that whoever they were playing, they're like, that's like USC and UCLA times 100. And I said, okay, just stop right there. That can't be. I've never even heard of these cities, <laughs> let alone. It can't be. I've been to Germany a couple of times. I've never even heard of them. So I know it's not 100 times better than USC, UCLA. But 
I don't know. Like I could be. Uh, they had a, some young guy that like has scored like ten goals in ten games or something. I'm like I could watch that probably. Uh, maybe I'll follow them. Yeah. See, there you go. You, you've now you've got a German league team. You're you're one step closer to being a soccer fanatic. Yeah. I I should probably do a Premier League one. I just haven't done that. Um, I know a lot of people on Twitter that I know, like you, like Liverpool, and I was a big Beatles fan. I'm like I could do Liverpool. Like maybe you know. But, yeah. But it's that. It feels like just. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't be like well, generally into it, but you might come off as a little bit of a front runner right now. Uh, if, if you, if you jumped on board the, the Liverpool train, cause it's but, good. You guys are good. Uh, right? I'd be, I'd be happy to have you. Yeah. Liverpool's good. If you want to watch good, if you want to watch good, uh, good games that aren't totally boring and aren't ending in nil nil, like better off watching Liverpool than a lot of other teams. So yeah, if I it's mean, like the equivalent of like an air I'm raid in soccer, then I'm in like, that would be, I don't want to watch yeah. the defensive team that just like tries to grind it out and score on a penalty kick and win at the end. I don't want that at all. So I want the air raid. So what's the air raid team in the Premier League? See, now I'm trying to think of what is the air raid team in the Premier League. It would it would, it would probably be Liverpool or if you really wanted to go crazy with the lack of defense, it would be um, – um, oh, where did Brendan Rodgers end up? Now I'm now – I'm, it's been so long since games have been played. I don't even remember, but – I'll get back to you on that. I'll, okay. I'll have the the air raid recommendation for you. Yeah, just whatever I can, whatever would upset Michael the most. That's the one, I, the team I want to be a fan <laughs> of. So. Yeah, that'd be good. All there right. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alicia, for coming on. Uh, make sure you go check out her stuff. Uh, that's our show for today. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 